Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Motorboat by Victor Appleton. Chapter 1. A Motorboat Auction Where are you going, Tom? asked Mr. Barton Swift of his son as the young man was slowly pushing his motorcycle out of the yard toward the country road. You look as though you had some object in view. So I have, Dad. I'm going over to Lanton. To Lanton? What for? I want to have a look at that motorboat. Which boat is that, Tom? I don't recall you speaking about a boat over at Lanton. What do you want to look at it for? It's the motorboat those fellows who had tried to get away with your turbine model invention, Dad. The the one they used at the old General Harkness mansion in the woods near the lake, and the same boat that fellow used when he got away from me the day that I was chasing him here. Oh, yes, I remember now. But what is that boat doing over at Lanton? That's where it belongs. It's the property of Mr. Bentley Hastings. The thieves stole it from him, and when they ran away from the old mansion, the time Mr. Damon and I raided the place, they left the boat on the lake. I turned it over to the county authorities, and they found out it belonged to Mr. Hastings. He has it back now, but I understand it's somewhat damaged, and he wants to get rid of it. He's going to sell it at auction today, and I thought I'd go over and take a look at it. You see... Yes, yes, I see, Tom, exclaimed Mr. Swift with a laugh. I see what you're aiming at. You want a motorboat, and you're going to go all around Robin Hood's barn to get at it. No, Dad, I only... Oh, I know you, Tom, my lad, interrupted the inventor, shaking his finger at his son, who seemed somewhat confused. You have a nice rowing skiff and a sailboat, yet you're hankering for a motorboat. Come now, own up, aren't you? Well, Dad, a motorboat certainly would go fine on Lake Carlopa. There's plenty of room to speed her, and I wonder if there aren't more of them. I was going to see what Mr. Hastings' boat would sell for, but I didn't exactly think of buying it. Still, but you wouldn't buy a damaged boat, would you? It isn't much damaged, and in his eagerness, the young inventor, for Tom Swift had taken out several patents, stood his motorcycle up against the fence and came closer to his father. It's only slightly damaged, he went on. I can easily fix it. I looked it all over before I gave it in charge of the authorities. And it's certainly a fine boat. It's worth $900, or it was when it was new. That's a good deal of money for a boat. And Mr. Swift looked serious, for though he was well off, he was inclined to be conservative. Oh, I shouldn't think of paying that much. In fact, Dad, I had really no idea of bidding at the auction. I thought I'd go over and get an idea of what the boat might sell for. Perhaps someday... Tom paused. Since his father had begun to question him, some new plans had come into the lad's head. He looked at his parent and saw a smile beginning to work around the corners of Mr. Swift's lips. There was also a humorous look in the eyes of the older inventor. He understood boys fairly well, even if he had only one, and he knew Tom perfectly. Would you really like to make a bid on that boat, Tom? He said. Would I, Dad? Well... The youth did not finish, but his father knew what he meant. I suppose a motorboat would be a nice thing to have on Lake Carlopa, went on Mr. Swift musingly. You and I could take frequent trips in it. It isn't like a motorcycle only useful for one. 
What do you suppose the boat will go for, Tom? I hardly know. Not a high price, I believe, for motorboats are so new on our lake that, our, that a few persons will take a chance on them. But if Mr. Hastings is getting another, he will not be so particular about insisting on a high price for the old one. Then, too, the fact that it's damaged will help keep the price down, though I know I can easily put it in good shape. I'd like to make a bid if you'd think it's all right. Well, I guess you may, Tom, if you really want it. You have money of your own, and a motorboat is not a bad <coughs> investment. Excuse me. What do you think ought to be the limit? Would you consider $150 too high? Mr. Swift looked at Tom critically. He was plainly going over several matters in his mind, and not the least of them was the pluck his son had shown in getting back some valuable papers and a model from a gang of thieves. The lad certainly was entitled to some reward, and to allow him to get a boat might be properly part of it. I think you can go safely as high as $200, Tom, said Mr. Swift at length. That would be my limit on a damaged boat, for it might be better to pay a little more and get a new one. However, use your own judgment, but don't go over 200 So the thieves who made so much trouble for me stole that boat from Mr. Hastings, eh? Yeah, and they didn't take much care of it either. They damaged the engine, but the hull is in good shape. I'm ever so glad you'll let me bid on it. I'll start right off. The auction is at 10 o'clock, and I haven't more than time to get there. Now be careful how you bid. Don't raise your own figures, as I've sometimes seen people do in their excitement. Somebody may go over your head, and if he does, let him. If you get the boat, I'll be very glad on your account. But don't bring any of Anson Morse's gang back in it with you. I've seen enough of them. I'll not, Dad, cried Tom as he trundled his motorcycle out of the gate and into the country road that led to the village of Shopton, where he lived, and to Lanton, where the auction was to be held. The young inventor had not gone far before he turned back, leaving his machine standing in the side path. What's the matter? asked his father, who had started towards one of his several machine shops on the premises, shops where Mr. Swift and his son did inventive work. Guess I'd better get a blank check and some money, replied Tom as he entered the house. I'll need to pay a deposit if I secure the boat. That's so. Well, good luck, and with his mind busy on a plan for a new kind of storage battery, the inventor went on to his workroom. Tom got some cash in his checkbook from a small safe he owned, and was soon speeding over the road to Lanton, his motorcycle making quite a cloud of dust. While he is thus hurrying along to the auction, I will tell you something about him. This is, uh, as an aside, this is another situation where it feels like the author is actually narrating this story, but it doesn't happen often. It happened at the end of the first book. It's happening here at the beginning of this, the second book. It's just a little, it's a little touch that you don't see authors often do, I think. I think, I think it's a nice little touch. So he'll tell us something about Tom Swift. Tom Swift, son of Barton Swift, lived with his father and a motherly housekeeper, Mrs. Baggert, in a large house on the outskirts of the town of Shopton in New York State. Mr. Swift, had, Mr. Swift had acquired considerable wealth from his many inventions and patents, but he did not give up working out his ideas simply because he had plenty of money. 
Tom followed in the footsteps of his parent and had already taken out several patents. Shortly before this story opens, the youth had become possessed of a motorcycle in a peculiar fashion. That is just such a weird, clunky sentence. He had become possessed of a motorcycle. It's like, uh, <laughs> if we were to say that now, people would think the motorcycle possessed this guy. As told in the first volume of this series, entitled Tom Swift and His Motorcycle, Tom was riding to the town of Mansburg on an errand for his father one day when he was nearly run down by a motorcyclist. A little later, the same motorcyclist, who was a Mr. Wakefield Damon of Waterfield, collided with a tree near Tom's home and was severely cut and bruised, the machine being broken. Tom and his father cared for the injured rider, and Mr. Damon, who was an eccentric individual, was so disheartened by his attempts to ride the motorcycle that he sold it to Tom for $50, though it had cost much more. About the same time that Tom bought the motorcycle, a firm of rascally lawyers, Smeek and Catch by name, had, in conjunction with several men, made an attempt to get control of an invention of a turbine motor perfected by Mr. Swift. The men, who were Ferguson Appleson, Anson Morris, Wilson Featherton, alias Simpson, and Jake Burke, alias Happy Harry, who sometimes disguised himself as a tramp, tried several times to steal the model. Their anxiety to get it was due to the fact that they had invested a large sum in a turbine motor invented by another man, but their motor would not work, and they sought to steal Mr. Swift's. Tom was set to Albany on his motorcycle to deliver the model and some valuable papers to Mr. Crawford of the law firm of Reed and Crawford of Washington, attorneys for Mr. Swift. Mr. Crawford had an errand in Albany and had agreed to meet Tom there with the model. But on the way, Tom was attacked by the gang of unscrupulous men and the model was stolen. He was assaulted and carried far away in an automobile. In an attempt to capture the gang in a deserted mansion in the woods on the shore of Lake Carlopa, Tom was aided by Mr. Damon, of whom he had purchased the motorcycle. The men escaped, however, and nothing could be done to punish them. Tom was thinking of the exciting scenes he had passed through about a month previous as he spun along the road to leading to Lanton. "'I hope I don't meet Happy Harry or any of his gang today,' mused the lad as he turned on a little more power to enable his machine to mount a hill." I don't believe they'll attend the auction, though. It would be too risky for them. Now, before I continue this, I will just say, they just recapped the entire first book in the beginning of this book. It's bizarre to me. It's just like, hey, just in case you missed it, here's everything that happened in the first book. Instead of just saying, and if you want to know more about these adventures, go buy the first book. It's very strange to me. I don't understand it. But, okay to be continued. As Tom swung along at a rapid pace, he heard behind him the puffing of an automobile with the muffler cut out. He turned and cast a hasty glance behind him. I hope that ain't Andy Foger or any of his cronies, he said to himself. He might try to run me down just for spite. He generally rushes along with the muffler open so as to attract attention and make folks think he has a racing car. It was not Andy, however, as Tom saw a little later as a man passed him in a big touring car. Andy Foger, as my readers will recollect, was a red-haired, squinty-eyed lad with plenty of money and not much else. He and his cronies, including Sam Snedeker, nearly ran Tom down one day when the latter was on his bicycle, as told in the first volume of this series. <laughs> 
and he had been off on a tour with his chums during the time when Tom was having such strenuous adventures and had recently returned. If I can only get that boat, mused Tom as he swung back to the middle of the road after the auto had passed. I will certainly have lots of fun. I'll make a week's tour of Lake Carlopa and take Dad and Ned Newton with me. Ned was Tom's most particular chum, but as young Newton was employed in the Shopton Bank, the lad did not have much time for pleasure. Lake Carlopa was a large body of water, and it would take a moderately powered boat several days to make a complete circuit of the shore, so cut up into bays and inlets was it. In about an hour, Tom was at Lanton, and as he neared the home of Mr. Hastings, which was on the shore of the lake, he saw quite a throng going down towards the boathouse. There'll be some lively bidding, thought Tom as he got off his machine and pushed it ahead of him through the drive and down towards the river. I hope they don't go above $200, though. Get out of the way, called a sudden voice, and looking back, Tom saw that an automobile had crept up silently behind him. In it were Andy Foger and Sam Snedeker. Why don't you get out of the way? Petulantly demanded the red-haired lad. Because I don't choose to, replied Tom calmly, knowing that Andy would never dare to speed up his machine on the slope leading down to the lake. Go ahead, bump him, the young inventor heard Sam whisper. You better try it if you want to get the best trouncing you ever had, cried Tom hotly. Huh. I suppose you think you're going to bid on that boat, sneered Andy. Is there any law against it? asked Tom. Well, you'll not get it. I'm going to take that boat, retorted the squinty-eyed bully. Dad gave me the money to get it. All right, answered Tom noncommittally. Go ahead. It's a free country. He stood his motorcycle up against a tree and went toward a group of persons who were surrounding the auctioneer. The time had arrived to start the sale. As Tom edged in closer, he brushed against a man who looked at him sharply. The lad was just wondering if he had ever seen the individual before, as there seemed to be something strangely familiar about him, when the man turned quickly away as if afraid of being recognized. That's odd, thought Tom, but he had no further time for speculation, as the auctioneer was mounting on a soapbox and had begun to address the gathering. End of chapter one. Thank you for joining us on Storytime with Kurt. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, simply go to anchor.fm slash storytimewithkurt or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us if you like. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at VOByKurt. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to send an email to kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time. Thank you.